sermon podcast of Dan Roschke, pastor of Bethlehem Lutheran Church in Fairfax, Virginia. For more information about Bethlehem, visit our website at blclife.org. But now, here's Pastor Dan and his sermon for today. Friends in Christ, grace to you and peace from God on this Transfiguration Sunday. Amen. Remember the story that started Epiphany? The story of the Magi visiting the baby Jesus, the star shining, showing the way. I was back at the beginning of January, and then we come into this season after Epiphany, and now this six-week season concludes. The star was shining at the beginning, and now Jesus is the one shining. It's kind of interesting, isn't it? An often overlooked aspect of Transfiguration Sunday, however, is that through Jesus, everything shines. All things are said to be transformed in Christ. Bonaventure writes, way back in the 1200s, all things are said to be transformed in Christ by virtue of his humanity. Christ embraces something of every creature in himself when he is transfigured. Or poet Elizabeth Barrett Browning, uh, during the Victorian era, said, this is beautiful, earth's crammed with heaven and every common bush afire with God. Or you can look at our bulletin, our worship folder cover for today, Jen Norton in 2021 painted this beautiful image. Christ is through all things and through Christ everything shines transfiguration. It's actually, historically, one of the highest feast days of the church year. Not as high as Easter and Christmas, of course, but it is traditionally way up there. I think it gets overshadowed, and its richness and beauty and complexity get overclouded by all the other things going on. I mean, that is so true for us just today. I mean, Super Bowl, for, for one thing. However you spell it, we spell it S-O-U-P-E-R here and, and get some cans and um, offer those, a little charity. So that's one thing. Mardi Gras. <laughs> Social activities at home or at church that are relating to any of those. Um, we had the chili cook-off here at church last night. It's wonderful. But there's just lots of things going on. Baseball season's winding up. Pitchers and catchers report on Wednesday. Not that I'm not excited about that, but... And speaking of Wednesday, it's Valentine's Day. Here at the church, Ash Wednesday. And Ash Wednesday, ironically, seems to outshine Transfiguration Sunday quite significantly. It's certainly more famous, more popular. People kind of know about that. A little bit more, I think. But today, friends, this Sunday is transfiguration. And I want you to imagine that we're on top of a mountain, like Jesus and the disciples were in the story. 
Has anyone ever been on top of a mountain, even a small mountain, on a clear day before the clouds move in? What's that like? You can see it all, right? For a brief moment, everything kind of comes together. It's glorious. It's an alleluia moment. At least that's been my experience. I've been on top of a lot of different mountains over the years, and uh, one one wonderful mountaintop experience was taking high school kids backpacking in the Rocky Mountains, and we peaked a mountain one afternoon, early afternoon, before the clouds rolled in, and, and um, our guides had packed bread and wine for Holy Communion, and even the vessels for Holy Communion in the backpacks, and we brought Holy Communion and had it on the mountaintop, and and it was just glorious as we looked out and could see for miles and miles and miles. Earth's indeed crammed with heaven, and sometimes we see it clearly. No wonder this gets overshadowed, though, by so much. We're not great at basking in the glory, as a culture anyway. Maybe you're better than I am, but, you know, it's not very productive to bask. It's also a a lavishing and a celebrating that many of us at some level maybe feel like we don't deserve. Let's do the ashes thing. Let's get to that. That's a little more up my alley. I mean, I can sort of reflect on how sinful I am, but... Or uh, party ourselves into food comas or worse... In other words, check out. You know, it's just basking isn't, I can't handle it. So we just sort of check out. Or there's those of us who like to analyze and can quickly go down the road as we look out of deconstructing the oneness. That's a capital O, the oneness that is, frankly, really hard to recognize and celebrate in this postmodern era. We intelligent ones can also criticize, we can be critical, we can be judging, and um, yeah, it's beautiful, or at least it once was beautiful as I look out, but look at the smog, look at the piles of garbage on the horizon, look at the endless trails of cars and the scratches of airplane exhaust across the sky, and on and on, analyzing, criticizing, deconstructing. Yeah, Ash Wednesday outshines indeed. We'll be in Lent and make our confessions about the ways we treat the planet soon enough. But today, friends, I invite you, I encourage you to gaze from the mountaintop, to bask and recognize, even if just for a moment, recognize our deep interconnectedness with all God's good creation. Stand in pure awe. Listen to God. Despite the ways we have hurt the earth, listen to God and recognize, bask in God's beauty that still, despite the other stuff, it still overwhelms if we let it. The roll of the hills, the song of the birds, the glory of the clouds that are starting to gather, 
Maria Rilke says, Praise, my dear ones. Let us disappear into praising. Nothing belongs to us. Martin Luther said it too. Cynthia Molobita points out in her book how much we overlook Luther's mysticism and how he said that the earth is filled, here's the quote, to the utmost with God. Our earth is heaven crammed. I love Elizabeth Barrett Brownings. Just sit on that mountaintop today, or at least this morning. It, it kind of takes your breath away. Listen. Breathe. Don't say anything. God's glory is infused in and including all creation. The whole beautiful picture shining forth. Our hymn of the day here at Bethlehem from the book, the hymnal, All Creation Sings, is earth is full of wit and wisdom. And verse 1 goes like this, earth is full of wit and wisdom, sounding God's delighted laugh. From the tiny roly-poly to the treetop tall giraffe, all creation sings in wonder, even rocks and trees rejoice as they join the ringing chorus, echoes of our Maker's voice. Listen. You know, it really gets into Transfiguration Sunday. Our Orthodox siblings in the faith, Eastern Christianity. Remember, I, I've, I've talked about this before, how Western Christianity kind of separated out Jesus' resurrection from the rest of us. I mean, at least in the art in Western Christianity, there is no one else in the resurrection images except Jesus bursting forth from the tomb. There is an important theological statement there, and that's good, of course, but it's not the full picture. And thank God for our Orthodox siblings, for the Orthodox Church and their art and their icons, where Jesus is always pulling everyone else up from the tomb, also in the resurrection symbols and icons. Jesus is grabbing Adam and Eve by the arm. That's the symbol of everyone and almost yanking them from death. Do you remember seeing those icons? Well, this is all connected to transfiguration too. Transfiguration and resurrection are deeply tied and related. Our Orthodox friends remind us the whole picture is connected. And that pulling everyone else up includes all the creatures, all creation, everything shining. Listen, even if just for a moment, everything is filled to the utmost with God. Everything, all creatures, the whole planet, the whole cosmos, the sea creatures, the desert dwellers, the American prairies and the African savanna, the tropical jungles, the polar ice caps, and certainly the mountains, all of it shining through Christ's shining, all of it glorified. Listen. Theologian K.M. George 
in his paper that he presented in Geneva to the World Council of Churches in 1990. His paper is called, get this, Toward a Eucharistic Ecology, Justice, Peace, and the Integrity of Creation. He writes, uh, these are uh, contributions from the Orthodox Church. He writes, Transfiguration is the word often used in the Orthodox tradition for preparing the creation for the ultimate experience of glory. Let me just repeat that. Transfiguration. Preparing the creation for the ultimate experience of glory. That's at the other end of Lent, right? All creation gets pulled up from the grave. Okay, sorry, George goes on. Our worship, our prayers, our life that expresses truth and goodness, our efforts to bring justice and peace on earth, all contribute to the process of transfiguration. Today, friends, we see all creation as, here's another word, divinized divinized, that is, taking on godly qualities, all creation, divinized, and deified, which is becoming godlike beings. Today we see all creation as taking on godlike qualities, divinized, and becoming godlike beings, deified. Divinized and deified. And let me say, this is different than pantheism, where all creation actually equates God. That's not what we're saying. But we do see all creation as taking on godlike qualities and becoming godlike beings, God's own glory manifested in God's creation, shining through God's beloved, resplendent through creation. This is what the disciples are speechless about. Until Peter offers his feeble suggestion, right? Let's build something. Uh, you know, and it just, it does sound silly when we think about the, the cosmic implications of this moment, of this transfiguration. It does sound silly, doesn't it? I, I mean, <laughs> it, we're speechless, we sort of don't know what to say, and then we say something stupid. <laughs> it's kind of like, taking a selfie at the Grand Canyon. I mean, you can do that, but put the phone away just for a minute and bask, Peter. <laughs> We're all guilty of that. Finally, I do want to mention Moses and Elijah in this story. These were the two Old Testament dudes. John Chrysostom in the 4th century writes about them, and I love what he says. He says, Christ brings before the disciples the one who had died, Moses, and the one who had not yet died, Elijah. Remember, because Elijah just goes off in the, in, the, in the chariot of fire. Both had lost their life and had found it. Both had courageously withstood a tyrant both were simple, unlearned men. One was slow to speech and a weak voice, that's Moses. The other, a rough countryman, Elijah. And both were men who had despised the riches of this world. For Moses possessed nothing, and Elijah had nothing but his sheepskin. 
Christ brought these men before the disciples, for he wished them to imitate their courage of soul and their steadfastness in leading their people so that they might be as gentle as Moses, possessed of the zeal of Elijah, and as devoted as both were. Again, that's John Chrysostom. Friends in Christ, we obviously can't stay on the mountaintop forever. We just get a glimpse. And yes, very quickly we do descend following Jesus. First, let's follow Jesus. Let's stick with Jesus, who loves, forgives, and leads us now. But second, let's also remember the gentleness of Moses and the zeal of Elijah as we engage the tyrants of our times, as we engage the monsters, the horrific monsters of poverty, environmental degradation and pollution, the sin and the selfishness and the laziness in our own hearts and minds as we face that this Lenten season in honest ways. Yes, let's also remember the gentleness of Moses. Be gentle on yourself, too. And the zeal, the passion of Elijah. Their devotion gives us a model for both worship and service to this earth and all its inhabitants. Friends, in the descent from the mountain, back to the world, back down in the valley, we become little Elishas. I'm referring to our first lesson here today. There is a mantle being handed over to us also by the one who never dies. Like Elijah to Elisha, Christ passes the mantle of forgiveness and grace on to you and me. A mantle of gentleness and zeal. A mantle of joy and peace. And so now the power to offer forgiveness and grace, gentleness and zeal, joy and peace is is also conferred to you as we enter into this Lent, this year of caring for creation here at Bethlehem, connecting ecology and Christ through the liturgical seasons. May that grace, peace, joy, gentleness, zeal, and forgiveness be yours this day, friends. As disciples on top of the mountain, with Christ, and every day as disciples with Christ, lovingly walking upon this heaven-crammed earth below. Everything belongs. All are part of Christ. Thanks be to God, and alleluia. Amen. at Bethlehem Lutheran Church, thank you for listening. Check us out again soon. And to learn more about our national church body, the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, visit elca.org. Goodbye for now. And remember, God's outpouring of grace and peace never runs dry. Here's to a new day.
the ev ev evangelical. That was terrible. To learn more about our national church body. Start over, start over. <laughs> okay. Is that hard? No, not really. Pretty easy? Yeah. You could edit.